You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Hello and welcome to Ford Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 8th of July, and Vince is not here, so I'm going to say that. <laughs> Take that, Vince. <laughs> Vince couldn't make it this week. He's very busy with work, but Joe and I are going to go through this. We've actually got a bunch of interesting things to shoot the shit about, which is funny because the week started off with no fucking news at all, and then all of a sudden it was like, holy shit, there's some really fucking do, cool yeah, stuff Yeah, like middle of the week hit, and it's like, oh, here, have everything. Yeah, so let's start with Overwatch, because for both of us being huge fans of the game... This was big news. Certainly there were rumors beforehand and there was some not just light rumors, there were pretty heavy rumors. But when mm-hmm. you look at some of the prep time and some of the, the the lead up for some of the other classes that were introduced, this kind of just fell onto the game, onto the PTR. And I'm pretty goddamn excited. Yeah, and I actually think that they did it the right way, too, by dropping it like that. Like they did a decent amount of build up and then bam. They dropped Doomfist on us. And if you're missed, if you've been living under a rock or haven't been playing Overwatch or are unfamiliar with what they've been doing, in Nimbani, they went ahead and changed the map. Doomfist Fist was actually stolen from the payload. The payload is still there, it's got a cracked thing on it. Uh, and many of the brand spanking new OR 15 security Omnics. Uh, were destroyed inside of the airport. As a matter of fact, when you start the map inside of the airport, there are several crushed in the the wall and around the floor uh, that have gotten the hell beaten out of them. Uh, It was a great setup. And one of the things that we know about uh, or knew about Doomfist was that Doomfist was never just one hero. The Doomfist has been transferred from good guys, bad guys. It's not the person necessarily but the actual fist itself that makes one Doomfist. Well, now uh, we have the successor, the third of Doomfist in the line. And this is Akande, uh, I'm going to massacre this, Agundimu. Uh, He has broken out of the maximum security prison that he was uh, put into by members of Overwatch, particularly Tracer, Winston, and Genji. And uh, has gotten his Doomfist back, and he is now ready to murderate many, many things. Now, the interesting thing about his character, at least from what they've showed us so far, is that he was a high-ranking member of Talon. He was part of the inner circle, and he believes that conflict is the only way humanity can reach its peak because you are forced to evolve and survive. Uh, so he's, mm, I, I wouldn't say necessarily just a bad guy. He's more of that uh, uh, anarchist, I guess would be the best way to put it. Um, and I think that's kind of cool. What I think is funny is that he's part of a prominent Nigerian family. So he's basically the Nigerian prince that punches you to death, um, which me, is which is really, really funny. Let me ask you this, because I felt a certain way listening to Kaplan talking about his motivations, not Kaplan, of course, but the um, the, character. the character. This idea of someone trying to help humanity become stronger by inserting conflict, I thought was ridiculous. 
It's we've seen conquerors throughout all of history. I don't think once <laughs> one of them felt this way. It just it feels kind of ludicrous to me. It, it does, but it, it's we're basically in a comic book if you really want to think of it that way, and that's not a concept that's unique to comic book characters, right? Like it's the, like the villain. I'm just saying, like, Dr. Doom wants to rule, but also, like... Doom isn't well, trying to make other people stronger through conflict. I'm just saying it fits that type of mentality of a villain from a comic book. Uh, just that sort of ridiculous premise, latching onto it, and then that's what you're going to do. Um I mean, hell, what is it, 12 Monkeys? That was one of the things there, too, is that release this stuff into the wild and everybody who survives will be, you know, stronger for it. Like, stuff like that. Like, I, I'm not saying that it's not ridiculous, but I think it's appropriately ridiculous to the character, if that makes sense. I, I get where you're coming from, and I know there's going to be a lot of hate. A lot of people are going to like it. I'm just saying, for me, looking at it as a a justification for a character and their actions, I just find it ludicrous even in terms of a comic book or a game setting villain it 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 just kind of feels like not just ridiculous for the character but for whoever the writer was that came up with that was like just reaching for nonsensical stupidity again my opinion i just it, it doesn't work for me and that's fair and it's not going to be for everybody um but that aside uh I think that he's going to be an interesting addition to the game. Definitely. Uh, one, we're getting more information about Talon as a result of this. Uh, two, I'm interested to hear what his interactions are with other members of Talon. Um, and I think it's, that's kind of an important thing because we've talked about that before where a lot of the characters have these interactions in the starting areas uh, where they sort of have these little snippets that lead to more in-depth things or link out. Um, which I think is really, really cool. Uh, and I also like the idea that his origin comic uh, or cartoon uh, was really well done and involved. Yes, it involved Tracer and Winston, but it also involved Genji, which is something we haven't really seen a whole lot of, uh, which I thought was actually really interesting as well. Um, I'm really excited for that. Now, his his kit-wise, and this is something that uh, I think a lot of people will be interested in. He is incredibly punchy, which you would expect from somebody named Doomfist. Uh, he does have a sort of shotgun short range weapon that he can do from his other hand. That's not the Doomfist. Uh, he has a rocket punch where you hold it to charge it and then you release it to launch forward, knocking people back. He has a uh, rising uppercut so he can uh, dragon punch somebody basically uh, seismic slam where he leaps forward and smashes the ground in the superhero pose sort of thing uh, ultimate meteor strike uh, where you press Q to leap up in the air move the targeting circle and then press fire to strike the targeted area in a massive concussive blast and then uh, his passive is called best defense where dealing damage with abilities creates temporary personal shields he's an offensive character and he has a lot of, oh, God, I'm going to say it. He has a lot of punch. Um, but I think what's really cool about it is his kit lends to weird movement, just like Genji's does. And if you've played him on the P PTR yet, he can get everywhere. And I mean everywhere. You can chain his moves together and just be the most ridiculous, flying, punching African prince you can be. It's 
it's pretty fucking amazing. It feels satisfying, which is I don't say that very often. I haven't drowned them yet. I've watched a whole bunch of videos though, but the the only thing that concerns me about him because he does look like a ton of fun to play. Very much looking forward to it. The only thing that concerns me though is just like you're saying is how how fast he is on that map and how important that is to the game. So for a game like a capture the flag, that's going to have a massive, massive impact in how the game is played. So that then means that has a massive impact on the other characters and their role as well. So if you have one class that is so radically faster than everybody else for different things, that's really going to change the game for pretty much everybody. I, yeah, but I mean, at the same point, though, there are so many characters right now that are so fast. Uh, Sombra is quicker with her stealth and her teleport. You have Tracer, who is speed personified. That is her whole shtick. Uh, you have Genji, who can do weird stuff like that. Uh, even Junkrat has uh, weird movement tech. So I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal because there's already so many characters already in the game that have some really amazing and scary movement tech. Have you seen how so, far his his uh, major ability, the Q, um, how far on the map can he go with that? Uh, it's not not overly far. Okay. So, I mean, it's not something to really be too worried about. Okay. Because the way Kaplan was talking about it, it actually sounded like it was pretty far. So that's why it's, I was kind of curious about because that's the one thing I have not seen yet is just how far he can go. Yeah, it's it's I think it's I don't know what the actual maximum range is, but most maps you're going to be restricted just by the architecture of it. There's no wide open maps. The closest you got is Hanamura. He can kit he can kit the gap with his Q. Um, but if you're using his Q on the gap, I have questions for you. Like, why are you doing that? But other than that, like, I, I don't know. I, yeah, it's, we'll it see. doesn't seem that far. Okay, we'll see. Was there anything else? Well, the only other thing, and I know we talked about it briefly, is I know there's a lot of people that are really upset that Terry Crews <laughs> is not uh, being the voice of Doomfist. Which, you know, it's it, and I, I read this in the art, one of the articles that we linked. Uh, I didn't realize this. But I forgot that Terry Crews had actually gone to Irving mm -hmm. and had spoken with them. And I'm starting to think that he agreed to play a different character. Because even Kaplan at the BAFTA Awards talked about he would be perfect for a great many things. And Terry Crews after that was very not vocal about being Doomfist. Like I went back and looked that he, he kind of shut up about it. So I'm sort of wondering if they said, we're not going to give you Doomfist because he. We want this sort of accent with him, and the and the person they got, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, uh, is a Broadway caliber performer, and his the accent is absolutely fantastic. Like he's he's great in the role; it fits the character. It's got that aristocracy sort of feel to the voice. Uh, he has that sort of uh, flavor of contempt when he speaks for humanity being weak. Uh, it, it fits really really well. Terry Crews, on the other hand. I don't think would have done a good job with it. And the only reason I say that is he's too fucking likable. I, I don't know anything that Terry Crews has ever done that he has made you dislike him. The current voice actor does this really great job of walking the line of, of yeah, this character is cool, but oh my God, he's smarmy as fuck. I don't know if Terry Crews could do smarmy. 
So I'd rather see him be like a pure hero, like an all American style hero, like something like that. And I think he would do better in that role. I'm hoping they're giving him something else because again, he also really helped push for this. He helped with community building essentially. And the community rallied around him, certainly, but he also, by virtue of being a very loud, prominent member of that community, he also pushed. He also brought people together for this. And and so I, I'm I'm really hoping that it is, like you said, where they said, okay, listen, we can't really give you this one, but we got you. Trust me. We'll now, give you something there, better. There is another possibility that a lot of people haven't been talking about. We know that Athena is one of the god AIs, and that's the one that Winston interacts with up in uh, Gibraltar. Uh, she's the voice of the AI um, and is also the announcer for the games. They've been talking every now and then about adding some of the other AIs into the game. I could totally get behind Brothena having Terry Crews be the announcer for an entire game as one of the AIs. I would be okay with that too because I could totally see him go, oh, no, like when somebody blows up and just being super okay with it. That would actually be a lot of fun, too. They, no, that would be cool. Although I I would like to see him get an actual class, but that would be cool, too. Okay, let's move away from there now and touch on Hearthstone, sticking with Blizzard, because we got <laughs> more news about the uh, their next expansion now, which is going to be Knights of the Frozen Throne. And this is goddamn awesome. I, I love yeah. I love that they know their pocket. They know what they're doing, and they know that, okay, this is how it actually happened, and wow, eh, we're going to have a little bit of fun with it now. So in our little universe, this it, this is what's going to happen. I know, I love it. Yeah, I love the fact that they're basically doing a giant what if. They're going back yep. to their roots yeah, yeah. here of, uh, of Warcraft 3, the Frozen Throne, and even the Frozen Throne WoW expansion. Like they're going back to those, uh, rather the Lich King, excuse me. Uh, they're going back to those and, and taking these different moments of what if, what if, what if this power was offered to the heroes instead of taking, like taking them? What if they fell down, fell down this path like Arthas did? And so we get all nine classes as if they were basically death knights. That's not a new death knight class, not a not a tenth class, which I know people have been clamoring for. But instead, all nine heroes get a Death Knight version. That's fucking cool. That was amazing. That was fucking cool as shit. Although I will say, and you can tell it's cool because I was expecting initially a lot more. Because I don't know if you thought the same thing, but when those two guys were talking and they were saying, okay, so in our game, it's going to be a little bit different. And I was thinking, oh, shit. Are they going to make Jaina the Lich King? That'd be awesome. And then the trailer starts up. Mm-hmm. It's fucking Jaina talking. I'm going, hold on a second. Are they making Jaina the Lich Queen? That would be amazing. <laughs> and then you realize, no, no, it's going to be every hero. But then it's like, oh, every fucking hero is going to be able to be a Death Knight. That's kind of fucking awesome. So, yeah, no, that's great. And the implementation of it is interesting, too, because they're introducing for the first time in a very long time, actually since the release of the game, a fourth car type. It's the first time that they've introduced a new car type called a hero card. Uh, and that card turns you into the death Knight and changes your, your classes, uh, class ability. And the example they gave was Rexar death stalker Rexar. It's a six cost drop that turns him into 
this amazing like Death Knight version of himself. Not only does it do that, it has a battle cry effect, as they all do. Apparently, they're all going to have a battle cry effect when you when you cast them. In Rexars, as he deals two damage to every enemy minion, so it's a great wave clear, especially early on, especially at the the six uh, mana crystal. Uh, threshold most things are going to be around two three hit points so that's fantastic and it changes his ability from oh you know do two damage or do one damage to a hero to yeah uh choose two beasts now (laughs) stitch them together you get a brand new one and when you cast it it still only costs two by the way you get a choice of oh here's three choose one well, here's another three. Choose one. Then everything gets all weird and plaguey, and then a new creature, a new beast gets dropped on the ground. That's fucking perfect. That is a perfect imagining of Death Knight Rexar. I was so excited about that. That was awesome. That was so awesome that I am now really looking forward to seeing what all of the classes' upgraded abilities are going to be. Because it's not really an upgrade; it's a, it, they they switched it up, completely but different power, making yeah. it something that makes sense for that class. So, like, I cannot wait to see what they're going to do with the fucking warlocks. Because if mm-hmm. they're stitching beasts together for the hunter, what the fuck are they going to do with a warlock that randomly blows up their minions to increase their, or draw more cards or whatever? So, like, I I'm really looking forward to seeing the Death Knight version of all the classes. Oh, this is You amazing. know what's even better? If Warlocks could just create more Death Knights because a Warlock created Death Knights in the first place. Oh, this minion died. Use your ability to bring it back as a Death Knight. What, what? I would be all about that life. That's true. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, we did find out some more stuff as well. Uh, the set is going to focus a lot on Death Rattle and Death Rattle effects, which should be fairly obvious. It's a whole expansion where everything is basically killed and dead. Uh, so death rattle is a thing. Uh, some of the examples they showed were like, you know, oh, when this card dies, it brings another death rattle minion to your hand. Uh, or, oh, when this card dies, it buffs every other creature in your deck. Like what? Oh, yeah. That legendary uh, death knight card. Wow. Uh, oh, that's not a death knight. Prince Keliseth, and I'll talk about Prince Keliseth here. That's a lower callback. Prince Keliseth is one of the three blood princes, one of the three... Uh, high elves that were converted into vampires essentially by the blood queen uh, which we'll talk about her in a minute um, but that's a th- huge throwback to Warcraft 3 and uh, Wrath of the Lich King because Keliseth is one of those uh, minions that was everywhere he was in a raid he was in a dungeon um, it's absolutely amazing um, and I apologize it's not a de- it's uh, not a death rattle it's a battle cry for him if your deck has no two cost cards in it give all minions in your deck plus one plus one that's amazing. That's like the Cthulhu effect on steroids. I'm super cool with that. Yep. Um, not only are we getting that, we're also getting Lifesteal, which is a brand new ability. And it does something if you are ever played Magic or any other card game that you should be used to. Deal damage, gain that much back as life. Uh, apparently, a lot of cards are going to have that. Priests have something that deal one damage to every enemy minion. Uh, or every enemy, I think it is, is, was the statement, and then heals you for all of the damage done, uh, which is really, really cool. Um, I'm sorry, all minions it does, so yours included, which is a very Death Knight Priest thing to do, I would assume. Just, you know, hey, you're you're still got meat in your bones. Yeah, give it to me. 
So I'm all, I think that's really, really cool. And I think that's something that I've wanted for a while in this game. So I'm really excited to see them doing that. Also, because I like when abilities start expanding on cards, because the more abilities you have, the more unique the decks can start to get. Because now it's no longer, oh, it's, you know, a four drop and all four drops are three twos. So it doesn't matter what one I pick. It's now, oh, this one has charge and lifesteal. This one has charge and divine shield. What do I want? So it actually starts to make you make some decisions and you can start to see some differences in the decks, which I've been asking for since the release of the game. Now, well, that's the thing. The not- lifesteal creates a lot more complexity because mm-hmm. it becomes one of those things where if you don't have it in your deck, then you'd better have a defense against it. And whether that's just to be very, very fast or to have different effects that can cancel out of that or something else. But it it's a very big game changer. And especially oh, yeah, and- if you're looking at also adding in a lot more Death Rattle, which is what they said, between Death Rattle and Lifesteal, games are going to start lasting a lot longer. And that is well, only- both a pro and a and a con because one of the things that Hearthstone has going forward is that you can bounce in, get a game in quickly and be done with it in, in a relatively short amount of time. But if you start tossing in both of those keywords, games are going to start lasting a lot longer. They'll, they'll be, I, they'll be exponentially more fun, but they will take a lot longer. Potentially. Uh, but the thing is there too, is, is that you have to consider is it, it lifesteal works really well with death rattle in general. So you can have decks that have very little lifesteal and a whole lot of death rattle, but the lifesteal is meant to trigger your death rattle like spirit lash. So you have a bunch of one, one health minions with death rattle that you want to trigger. Uh, you can go ahead and kill them and trigger your death rattle and get a whole bunch of value out of it. And the other thing that's interesting about that too, to me um, as a, a player of, Magic the Gathering way back in the day is lifesteal is a deceptively powerful thing. And I've already heard people complain about this, about, oh, it's only stealing one damage and giving me one life. Okay, great. That's actually a two point swing. If both heroes have 30 health and you deal one, you know, let's say you're at 28, they're at 28, you deal one damage to them and then you get healed. They go to 27, you go to 29. That gap then starts to widen. So, it's a deceptively powerful thing, and I think people are going to start to embrace it. Now, moving away from the mechanics, another thing that I find interesting is with the new content, just like all the other ones, there's going to be a new raid mission pack, and it's going to be the Frozen Throne, which is amazing because it's Ice Crown Citadel, just like they did back in the day, when I, and I was waiting for this to happen, when Crypt, uh, Cryptozoic... Uh, did those raid decks that you used to get for the yeah. WoW TCG. Yeah. This is basically a digital version of that. And the interesting thing, all raid missions are going to be free this time around. Like, I was watching that video, and I had to go back and watch it a couple times. So, like, they, they said free. You don't have to pay for it. You're just going to be able to go in there and start killing things, like a raid, for free. I'm like, that's fucking amazing. Are they and the whole thing free or just part of it, though? That's the one thing I didn't all, see. They, no, the exact words were all missions will be free. Okay, excellent. Wow. So I don't know if he misspoke or if that's I'm hoping that it's the truth, because honestly, I don't mind paying for the adventures, but it becomes sort of a barrier if you don't either have the gold when it first comes out or you don't really want to spend the money on it. Not which I'll get to that in a second, but 
no, giving I th- you the ability. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, no, I, I'm with you. It's I believe that, again, the missions and things like that should be free. They should be in there mm-hmm. to entice you to continue coming back and to entice you to spend money on the cards. Packs. That's yep. where Agreed. the money should be going is the cards. And I, I, we don't have to look any further than, once again, Hex, that the content that's coming out, all of the stuff with their PvE stuff, which is massive in scope, is free. It's tossed in. They're expecting the money to revenue, the revenue to come in by means of the, the card sales. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing, too, is – and people have to consider you need engagement in these games to keep people paying money, basically, to keep them afloat. And we know Hearthstone's not exactly hurting, and most of their money comes from pack sales. And most of those pack sales are when an expansion first comes out uh, or when new decks are discovered. So if you give them reasons to continue to spend money, like eight boss content to throw your head against uh, that maybe has an increased difficulty – that's cool. And the interesting thing about this, too, is that they do have a reward for getting through the entirety of the the mission, uh, which is you get a, a unique Death Knight card reward. They haven't said what it what it does or anything like that. But for completing the basically Ice Crown, you get loot. And it's not just, oh, you completed a wing. Here's two cards that are mediocre, like with Nax Ramos or or some of the other stuff that they've done. It's no go through this entire gauntlet of shit. And we're going to give you something cool. Well, wasn't and that the legendary Death Knight card? They didn't show a legendary Death Knight card. The only legendary they showed was Prince Kaliseth, the vampire. Maybe I saw a different video. I thought I saw a legendary Death Knight card that they said was a reward for finishing it. I, I could be wrong, but I thought that's what I saw. I did not see that. If there okay. is, I, I missed it. I apologize, but I did not I, see that. Again, I, I might be wrong anyways. I like but, with the, the, the Ice Crown Citadel, much like what they did with Nax, where you're fighting the bosses that are there. There's Yes. That's something that and and the same thing with um ah, Tower. Um oh God. Karazan. Karazan, yeah. What I like is as a well, at this point former, but I will come back with the next expansion wild player. The reason we love Hearthstone is because of that irreverent nature of a, 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 an IP that we love. So when we saw the stuff with Karazhan, we adored it, rightly so. And then the stuff with Nax was great as well. So I I dig this a lot. And again, it, it means that after this many, we can continue to keep expecting these. You know, Nax wasn't just a fluke of, oh, we'll toss this in and see how it goes and, and so forth with the other ones. No, they're going to continue. So now we have this to look forward to going forward that we're going to get these random raids and potentially maybe even dungeons or things like that. This is awesome. I freaking adore this. I've run the crap out of Ice Crown in its day as well as farming it for, for stuff and whatnot. So I know that place inside and out. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the just a clever way in which they're going to play with it. That's going to be a lot of yeah. fun. And and that's the, the big thing right there is ice crown is a great varied place, not just because of the different wings, but because each boss in wow was incredibly unique from each other. Things that I'm curious about uh, are how they're going to work certain bosses uh, like, remember the green dragon encounter where you had to heal the dragon yep. to fall? Yep. 
how the fuck is that going to work? Like stuff like that intrigues me because it gives them an opportunity to do something other than, oh, just play cards and deal damage. And and you can explore different things. And we saw that that was very successful with Karazhan. And I'm hoping that it will be very successful with Ice Crown and says to them, keep doing this because that's the type of stuff I want to see. I want to see interesting recreations of classic encounters that maybe then branch into brand new encounters with stuff we've never seen before. And yes, add the whimsy, add the the irreverent nature to it, uh, but keep the encounters interesting and that will actually keep me playing. I can see them doing that encounter quite easily simply because of what they did with Karazhan where they replace your deck. So I can see them creating an encounter that does focus around whether it's healing your character or there's a a communal dragon and the other side is trying to kill it while you're trying to heal it, things like that. And they swap out your deck to put a deck whose cards are more healing cards. So there's a lot of ways that they can do it. I, I, I have faith in them for that. And, and I'm hoping that they do come up with something fairly original and not just a kind of, uh, you kind of call that in. Yeah, and we'll find out soon because apparently the entire expansion is releasing in August, so not too far away since we're about almost halfway, well, a quarter of the way through the month. Uh, So that's actually super exciting because I can't wait to get my hands on this. And I'm so excited for for this that, in fact, I will very likely spend money for the first first time ever in Hearthstone since the game was released. I have spent actual money buying packs from them when there were some that I supported and I wanted to play. I it's just it's been a long time now. So this is actually one where it's like, yep, I'm I'm thinking of actually doing the pre order bonus one. Uh just because I can see myself playing this quite a bit now. So yeah. Okay, let's yeah, move that's on. That's part of my excitement too, so Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Just a couple of games that I actually have been playing in prepping for South Park, the the fractured butthole, which looks awesome. Don't let the title fool you. If you haven't looked at the shit about this, it looks fucking awesome. I decided to uh to pick up Stick of Truth and and play it. And again, now this is coming from somebody who is I don't have anything against South Park but I really don't watch it. I watched it. It's just it. not your thing. No, and I mean, I watched it when it first came out. The first year it was out, we watched it kind of thing, and maybe a little bit after, but not much more. It kind of, it dries up after a while. It's like, okay, whatever, for some people. But that's not to say anything bad about it. So I started playing Stick of Truth. It's fucking awesome. Now, I know you played it. Did you actually finish it? I did. Okay. I am... Um, what did we do? I just broke dude out of school and uh, and brought him back. And now we're still going up against the kid elves. So there's there's likely still quite a bit of stuff to go. Yeah, you got a bit to go. But man, I have been having fun. It is reverent in all the right places. It takes one thing a little too far, I thought, but that was like, eh, whatever. But I... One of the things that I'd read about it was how if you strip away all of the the story elements, if you strip away the the fact that it is South Park kind of thing, and you just look at it from a an RPG perspective, the gameplay mechanics, the the inventory system, the stats system, and all of that, if you just look at that, it's fairly 
well-designed and crafted. Mm -hmm. And that's true. Like, if you strip everything away that you might not like because it's South Park and just look at it as an RPG, it's fucking well done. Like, just a brilliant system for your character, your stats, your Swapping out characters. equipment, yeah, your team that you can swap out, the combos that you use with the team members, different things like that. It is fantastic. It is a great, great system. And I also really like the UI that's used because everything's in one easy to page through section that mm-hmm. is very well organized. Again, it's you want to know what quest you're on, click, click, there it is. Okay. You want to know where you have to go for that quest, click, click, there it is. There's no dicking around here whatsoever. Same thing with your uniform or if you want to preview shit, if you want to. And you can make your guy look like anything. I have been routinely changing out his uniform regardless <laughs> of what it does for his stats because I am having so much fucking fun and taking so many screenshots with the variety of outfits that you can come up with. And then you have these ridiculous scenes of this ridiculous character <laughs> fighting, be it a hopped up on heroin homeless person <laughs> or a guard or any number of things. So it's very cool. And then the gameplay in terms of actual combat, equally well done. Like, mm-hmm. it's one of those systems where it's you, you take your turn, everybody has a turn, then you put in your, 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 what, what it is that you want to do. You're working off of the same classic components of spells, potions, things like that. So it's, it's very easy to know what you need to do. But again, very well done. The, the system is great. The, Abilities are fun as fuck. I chose to play a thief. What did you choose to play? Wizard. Okay. I'm Wizard. <laughs> I need to um, play through just to see what the Jews' abilities are. Oh because god, it's I, amazing. I, I need to I just I couldn't do it. I was looking at going, no, no, I'll I'll be a thief. <laughs> Thank you very much. But I you'll, need to know what you'll the- understand when you get to the last encounter. You will understand. Alright. <laughs> but yeah, I Again, it's an older game, so people might be like, well, this is not exactly... Fuck you, I'm playing it, so you're going to hear. But the the reason to talk about it also is because, again, some people may discount it because of the IP, but also with the new one that's going to be coming up shortly, you can get this one on the cheap quite a bit now and just watch for sales. And if you're wondering if it's worth it, again, there's going to be potentially some elements where you're like... but it's meant to be juvenile. That's the whole point. But there's also moments that I, it was almost a spit take. Some of them were so funny Mm -hmm. and outrageous that it was like almost a spit take. And you got to love that. That's fun and irreverent. And as a whole, up to the point where I'm at now, I've had a blast, absolute blast. Enjoyed all the encounters. It, It is a really, really good game. Yeah. It's a, it's one of those ones that you, don't expect to be as good as it is. And yet when you sit down and play it, it's really, really well done. And you hit the nail on the head with the system. I would put it on par with any of the RPGs that we've played over the last few years, the turn-based RPGs. 
uh, as far as its its system, its inventory, inventory, its HUD. Uh, and even nowadays, it holds up. Like, yes, it is a bit of an older game, but it's fun to play, and that's the important part. It's got it's a better fun. HUD than fucking Skyrim. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's got better inventory management Listen, than the Elder Scrolls Online. <laughs> I, I have I have spent more time playing this game than I have Skyrim or anything else like Skyrim related. So like this is the better RPG in my opinion. It's a lot of fun. So again, for folks who have not looked at it because they may have thought quite low of it because of the IP. If you still, if you like them at all, or if you're willing to just play a very interesting, fun little game, give it a shot. And Again, it'll prep you for the fractured butthole that's coming out. When is that coming out? That's soon, is it not? I can't remember. If it... uh, well, I mean, supposed to Wasn't be? it be fall, I thought? I could be wrong. It was, it was supposed to be fall last year. And oh, yeah. Fall no, this that was year, so I don't know. But it is coming up, and that looks amazing. That looks spectacular. But again, I, yeah, if it's based anything on what we see here, in terms of like we already know content wise what it's going to be because it's a South Park comic book thing. So we already know what we're looking at in terms of content and I'm fucking down for that. Now I know what we can expect game gameplay wise as well as everything else having to do with the, the actual mechanics of the game. And now I've got faith in it because this is that strong. So moving on to another game that I've been playing. I actually finished it. Uh, yesterday it is old man's journey i picked it up on ios of course like again i i the 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 new ipad was a gift on, on father's day so it was like one of those okay well let's look for a couple of games and i saw this one and this is one of those things where i've talked about it a lot we have talked about it a lot on every goddamn podcast how important representation is now I'm not going to say I'm this old man, <laughs> not even remotely close yet, but what's important is that representation isn't just a positive thing for that group, but for everybody, because they get to experience something different. And we don't get a lot of stories about this kind of thing. So I wanted to support that as well. And so I, I picked it up and first thing out of the gate I'm racking my brain trying to think of a single other, be it tablet game or portable game, that looks this good. Not because yeah, the it, art style is really amazing. Oh, oh, dude! Oh my god, the art. It reminds style, me of actually Oxenfree almost. Kind of, except that, as opposed to Oxenfree. When you zoom in here on any of the scenes, whether it's where you're playing or uh, a scene when you're looking at a scene that appears every once in a while, it's almost as if like each patch, like it, picture the, the scenes like a quilt. <laughs> yes, I live with a quilter. So obviously that's the first thing I thought. But if you picture uh, uh, each any of the scenes, like when he's walking along and there's the rolling hills and all that as uh, as a quilt, each section Actually, the, the graphic kind of moves a little bit. The colors shift a little bit. The pattern moves a little bit. 
And this very simple little action, which, I mean, it's not like it's glaring or something that is in your face. It's just one of those things that brings life to the game in a way that I have not seen in other games. So when you, it, it reminded me of certain short animations that I've seen where it's very loose and free flowing in the animation and it's constantly moving kind of thing. That's what this felt like. You zoom in on different, on different scenes and you see that, you know, his shirt kind of the texture or whatever kind of shifts, the colors shift and move. And it's just, it brings life to the game in a way that's hard to explain. Yeah, the, the interesting thing for me, and I was, well, I was just kind of looking into this when you recommended it the other day, is um, how you sort of shift the scene. Oh, dude, yeah. Like, like that, that mechanic in general is interesting, but you can physically manipulate a certain amount of things in order to facilitate the locomotion of your old dude. And I think that's actually, it's really clever. That's the thing. And see, one of the things that we've discussed more so early on, and and it's because we haven't talked about a ton of portable games, of tablet games. We've touched on some, certainly. Uh, Lord knows I've touched on Marvel some, some enough. But one of the things that we initially talked about that has remained a problem throughout is in con- a control scheme for tablet. Because you have to look at it differently, whether you're playing on a small phone as opposed to a larger tablet. And what that means for how much of the screen your thumbs move, trying to put virtual control, like uh, thumb controllers, which rarely ever works properly and things like that. It's hard to come up with an original mechanic that so perfectly suits a, a tablet. And this does that. So I was playing, my, my tablet is the bigger one. So it's the 12.9 inch, which when you're looking at specs wise, you're thinking, eh, that's really not that big of a difference. But I can tell you from now using this one exclusively since Father's Day, when I look at a regular size tablet, like my kids have one, I still have my old ones that I primarily use for music now, but they look like kids toys. They're so tiny. <laughs> and so... Gaming on this thing is fucking amazing. Just great. This game, I was constantly taking screenshots. And to to briefly tell some of the story, though not all, you basically start off the game and you are this old man. And it's, I don't know, it doesn't say where the story takes place, but the developers, Broken Rules, are out of Vienna. So it has more of a European feel to it than North American, which I really dug. So Postman comes up literally on a bike, hands you a letter, and you're just watching at this point, and he goes and sits off on a stool and opens the, the letter up and is clearly moved and then immediately goes into his home, which the, the design, like the home is spectacular. All of the design elements, it's just looked amazing so you get this letter you go in he immediately packs his backpack he grabs his walking um walking stick and he's off and he starts walking and it's like you said there's there's a mechanic where he kind of you you basically you plant a, a, a a a stake at various points that you want him to walk to and he'll walk there so again think 
ARPG and you click somewhere to move your group. The only thing is, is that there's these, for the most part, there's these rolling hills or there's paths or there's a road or whatever. Sometimes there's waterfalls and there's different elements of it that you can move so that they touch each other. So the easiest way to explain this, and I'm going to go both at the same time, old school and new school. Think of it either as uh, transparencies on an old school projector or as Photoshop layers. So you've got each of these has a hill, a rolling hill on it, and one's in front of the other. Now, in terms of old school projector, you move one of those slides over the other until they intersect same thing with your layers in Photoshop. You move one up and down until the the path of the hill intersects intersects with the other in behind it so that your guy can then hop over onto that other hill to progress. And it goes back and forth like this throughout the game. You wind up going, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like very, there's a lot of various outdoor scenes, be it again, the rolling hills or whatever, but they put a lot of beautiful things in it, like an abandoned windmill. There's all kinds of stuff. And then you also have just nature areas that have waterfalls. There's these uh, mechanical bridges that you have to actually move. And then there's also cities because for a while you're going to feel like, okay, most of the game is going up or up in terms of depth to go that way you're going away from your body essentially but there's also these cities in different places where you're going up steps and then you're going off to the side and things like that so locomotion works exceptionally well here and what winds up happening is that periodically there's a bench somewhere or somewhere where he can sit down and take a break you don't do it the character just kind of like oh we're here takes a break and then you kind of have to click around whatever scene He's in, click around, and you're going to touch on something, and that triggers a memory for him. This is where the game takes this amazing storytelling turn. Because, for the most part, you're just an old guy traveling. So it's it's a, it's a puzzle game in terms of how do I get old dude from point A to point B and move on. But then what happens is that at each of the save points, you get this spectacular scene. And it's not, it's a slightly animated, same kind of thing, but in a different style, much more watercolor. And it kind of shifts a little bit. And sometimes some of them will kind of change a little bit to show different aspects of it. But you get these spectacular scenes that, that then tell the story of this character's life and how he first met his girlfriend and how they had a shotgun wedding, which you don't see often enough in games. She's clearly very, very pregnant in the the scene where they're getting married and it's wonderful. They're happy. They're alive. They're having so much fun. And then you get the scene with the daughter. And this is the first time where your character's kind of looking off in the distance at the sea, longingly watching ships and things like that. And you're like, Oh, this is, this person was meant to be a sailor to live on the sea and they don't feel like they belong where they are. And you get these story elements then progress throughout that tell you the story of what happened to 
the marriage, what happened between he and the child, he and his wife, and so forth leading up to the end. I'm being super vague on purpose because I cannot recommend this game enough. I, I, I cannot stress that enough. It's not an expensive game, and it's also available on Android, also on Steam. I didn't realize it was yes. on Steam. Much better on tablet, but if you can only play on, on computer, please pick up this game. Support these people because... And it's relatively cheap, too. It, it is. It's, it's a little bit more expensive as a tablet game, but a... On Steam, it's... $8 USD. See, that's the thing. And and that's what I was going to say earlier, too, how the mentality for what is an acceptable price range on tablets is way different than on Steam. An indie, beautiful, wonderful game on Steam for under 10 bucks is a must-buy. A beautiful, wonderful iOS game that's around the $10 range is seen by many as being too expensive. So it's kind of like that... that double-edged sword in this case here i can't tell you enough like it's well worth the purchase on ios and it's not 10 bucks on ios it's cheaper than that it's wonderful it's a great game the story elements are beautiful if you pick it up those scenes that you get let them play out for a little bit because some of them actually change and trigger something else like one of the things areas that you go through and that's where, once again, you by this point, you've accepted the supernatural because you're moving buildings to get your guy going. You're going underwater, and you literally have to move a crashed ship out of the way. And you're like, this is his ship when he went out, and it's crashed, and it's on the bottom. And so there's these very, very clever elements. And then when you get... I'm trying to remember if it was before that or immediately after, because there's a scene with hot air balloons, which is amazing, fucking amazing. And then you get the scene where you see him on a boat. So, yeah, it must have been beforehand, I'm guessing, looking at hot air balloons and it's gorgeous. But then it kind of shifts and you see him again on the on, on the on his boat and a fucking humpback whale comes out of the water and splashes in behind his ship. It was astounding. It was jaw-droppingly beautiful. And the game as a whole and the message and everything else was beautiful. It's such a good game. I cannot recommend it enough. So let's move on from there now briefly and touch on some other news that we got for some other games. One of them being, we got an English trailer for The Leighton's Mystery Journey with Catriel and The Millionaire's Conspiracy. This <laughs> looks awesome. This looks awesome. I love The Leighton games, and I'm very happy that they understand, again, the importance of tablets as well now because the iOS and Android versions are coming out like soon on the 20th of this month as opposed to the 3DS version that's not coming out until the fall. So, and this is the perfect type of tablet game again, because it's got puzzles throughout interspersed with this really cool story about Professor Layton's daughter, who's taking up the mantle because he's kind of, he's been missing. So she kind of has been investigating that, but also solving all manner of other mysteries. It's introducing a couple of characters to be with her as well. One of them's a helper, Noel and the, or Noah. And then you got also a, 
basically a somebody to go up against her periodically. And then Cheryl, the talking dog, who I'm sure was named after Sherlock. It's really, it's funny. It's light. It is a latent game. And I loved everything that I saw. And then we got a little bit more news on Destiny. Not a ton, but about the clan feature, which is showing where they're headed and how quickly it's coming along, too. Yeah, so I mean, here it was more of a, hey, do you have a clan you like? Well, we're giving you tools to make that clan go over to Destiny 2. Uh, so basically on the website, you can actually flip your clan over to uh, Destiny 2 mode, which means it'll be available for you as soon as the game drops, which I think is really, really cool. Um, it's not meant for like huge gaming clans, uh, which they even say if you exp- have bigger plans for your existing groups that host your clan, uh, you can leave it as is, explore your own community purposes outside of the game. Uh, but in this one month period of housekeeping, uh, you can create new clans, find clans, uh, which that's not going to go away after this, but it's your opportunity if you're looking for people to play with um, as they're moving over to Destiny 2, you can sort of eh, get your foot in the door. Which is, I think is kind of cool. Yeah. I'm actually, we've been watching our money, but I would really like to pick up, pick this up for both PlayStation as well as, as PC. I, again, I have to pick it up for PlayStation because I, for me, the importance of those exclusives means I have to play it on that system. Plus I like playing, especially with the Vita integration, but man, I want to play this on PC too. (laughs) And I know there's going to be some really good clans with people that we already know that will probably make it a a lot of fun to play. Is your guild planning on picking it up? Do you know? Have they talked about uh, a it? Bunch of, a bunch of player, people in my guild are actually going to be picking it up. My local gaming group is already going to be picking it up, although there's a lot of debate on what system they're going to go for. Because uh, originally everybody in my local group picked it up for Xbox One. Uh, whereas people that I played with like wow and stuff like that with kind of split, uh, between PS4 and and Xbox. Uh, but with the sort of unification of those groups onto PC, uh, which is where we spend a lot of our gaming time to begin with. I think that most of my group, most of the people that I, I play with, uh, regularly are going to be picking it up for PC. I know I am, I'm not going to bother with the console. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on from there because... In MMO news, DC Universe Online is still not fucking laying down either, and they keep putting in new events, and there's one going on now. Yeah, apparently they're still doing fairly well, too, but right now we have uh, Tides of War event, uh, which is, well, sort of Aquaman-related, which I think is kind of cool because Aquaman is one of those uh, characters that I don't think gets enough time to shine. So now we have an Atlantis Civil War, an Atlantean Civil War, that is starting to spill into the waters off of Metropolis. And apparently heroes and villains ages, or ages levels 10 and up can participate in this event and get new feats and earn rewards. Uh, sort of like, you know, like apparently a sandcastle for your lair. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and the event is set to run until the 26th of this month. Uh, it's actually really, really cool. And if I like the idea that they're adding, they're still doing stuff like this. Because it is a fun game. I'm not going to say it's not. Um, well, I may not spend a whole lot of time playing. Stuff like this is cool. I love the beach towels. 
Dude, those beach towels are fucking <laughs> awesome. And see, this is one of those things too, where in they understand that if you want to keep people coming in, even if it's just a short visit, then put in stuff like this that gives you rewards, especially kind of the, the lair stuff. Because that is something that people care about. And they will come in just to do a few things to get that item. And then, all right, they might play some other games. But at least they keep coming back. So I, I kind of like that. And I like... I want a hook hand. Dude, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. There were a few things that I looked at and went, God damn it, I uninstalled it too not that long ago. <laughs> I was like, shit. <laughs> I might have to reinstall it just so I can get those items. Because that sandcastle, I'm not joking, the sandcastle and the, the beach towels were fucking awesome. I would I would love to have those. All right, moving on from there and sticking with comic book things, there is a new game that's going to be coming out that is based on yet another Kirkman, Robert Kirkman property. He is the one, of course, that brought us The Walking Dead as well as the brilliant Invincible comic, which if you've not read that, oh my God, what is wrong with you? That is a spectacular comic book series. Well, there's another one called Thief of Thieves. Now, what they're doing for the game is you're actually not going to be playing as the main character from the comic, but rather the main characters, basically their apprentice, their prodigy, and that is Celia. So it's this young woman, and we don't know a ton about the game yet. However, it is, again, about, well, it's about thievery. You know, the the main the character in the comic book, Conrad Paulson, is a quote-unquote master thief. And so we're going to have some pretty high-end thievery going on. I liked, we didn't get a ton again from the trailer, but we did see how gameplay is going to progress. And a lot of it, of course, has to do with stealth lockpicking, things like that, scoping out a joint, seeing how you're going to do this heist. And we all like heist movies. We like heist games kind of thing, if done properly. So this is going to be using the telltale kind of uh, gameplay mechanic of coming out in uh, seasons as well as episodic content. So they're looking at spring of, of 2018, bringing out the first part. It looks really cool. And it has that, it has that comic book feel to it. And not just in terms of the, the visual style, but even to the point of like little captions and different things like that. And I love that if it's based on a comic book IP and it's done properly, I, I dig that. And so I'm, I really like what I'm seeing here. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, the art the art styles was really kind yeah. of sold me on it because it, it it looks like a comic book come to life. Uh, between the coloring, the cell shading, uh, the the speech bubbles, and everything else, uh, that really speaks to me. Like that that alone made me interested. Yeah, and then lastly, very very briefly, we got a little bit more news on Arizona Sunshine, which is the VR game that just dropped and it's actually selling fairly well. Now, the reason I brought it up is because we have brought up, well, we, me, <laughs> brought up VR a lot over over the last little while. And one of the things that I'm, I'm always saying is how I've only got right now the PSVR and I always wonder, okay, just how different do the, the games look or the experiences look in either the Vive or the Rift? Because when you're looking at videos of it, often you're seeing the fully rendered videos of it, not necessarily what you're going to see from within the unit. And that's especially true when you're looking at PSVR games. So 
what was telling about this article, because it was talking about the game and how good it is, it talks about the the mechan- the movement mechanics of the game, which they really thought through, so they're giving you options of how to move, or if you want to you know move normally forward, or if you want to use the teleport mechanic, or kind of incremental shifts in, in when you're turning. All these things are really great and show that they care about your experience in the game. They also talk about because you can either play with the move controllers with a regular controller or with the new aim controller, that giant thing that replicates a kind of a shotgun or an assault rifle. And each one feels different in the game, handles different in the the game, reloads even differently in the game. And that's really cool. The limitations come in terms of the processing power. And this is something we all knew. Again, PSVR is more of a, not necessarily the the lowest rung on the, the, the VR ladder, but it's definitely not at the top. So some of the the concessions that you have to put up with are because of the limitations uh, in terms of processing power on, on the PS4. What they said here is when developing the game, they noticed that especially and had to trim back a lot of different things. So while there are ragdoll mechanics for the zombies when you kill them, they're actually not live, quote-unquote, ragdoll mechanics. They actually had to film ragdoll deaths from zombies using the PC versions. They, I can't remember if they actually said it was, if it was off the Vive or the Rift, but off of the PC, and then render that in for the PS4. And that's what you're seeing. So it still looks phenomenal, obviously. It's just not true to what it is in the same way that it is on those much higher-end units. So I just found, found that especially very telling of the difference between the two and how a developer can really work within those limitations to still create something really good and 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 fun to play and still look good as well. So I it was very very cool. Yeah, I mean it looked interesting and and that's not a damning thing. That's actually a high praise for me because if you're interested, that means I'm probably going to check you out. Yeah, I I will definitely be checking out Arizona, Arizona Sunshine. Uh, I'm probably going to wait till the price drops a little bit, but I I'm actually really looking forward to seeing it. I'm also going to be. I need to also find a fucking aim controller. <laughs> They're a little hard to find right now. I need to find an aim <laughs> controller because I I would like to play with the aim controller to see just how much better because it is supposed to be substantially better for the aiming and whatnot. So that'll be. So with that, we are going to call it a wrap for tonight. Thank you very much for joining us. You can, of course, find the show notes at For The Lore. You can also find us on Stitcher and iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at For The Lore or individually Joe's Lures at J. Vince, who is notably absent, is Simodian, and I am at Zen Buddhist. And just keep listening because there's also going to be a feature on a new RTS that's out in early access right now on Steam called Win That War. So they sent me a key and I checked it out. And you're going to hear what I have to say about it. And with that, we will talk to you guys soon for our next episode, which, if Marty fucking shows up, will be our Shadowruns episode. With that, we'll talk to you guys later. One of the things that made Fallout 4 so popular was the aesthetic appeal of a world stuck in a fantasy created by 1950s era idealists. 
There was hope that the future would be smooth-rounded chrome and a personal, sometimes sassy, robot in every home. That future never came to be, of course. However, it's still a setting that I would like to see explored in more games. When that war from developer Insane Unity seeks to make use of this style for their RTS, currently available on Steam Early Access. Now, the problem with talking about early access games is that they're often rife with bugs, missing elements, and, and even placeholders, all of which taints one's opinion, of course. You can still appreciate what they're attempting to do, however, as has often been said, the proof is in the pudding, and there ain't no pudding on the table here. Insane Unity writes, Year 1023 of the Galactic Era, bold explorers discover a new planetary system. The presence of extremely rare resources on these untapped stars is quickly confirmed, immediately prompting the greatest economic powers of the galaxy to dispatch their envoys in order to take control. I don't get the untapped star. You can't mine. Anyways, when that war offers up a conquer the map match challenge against AI or online players who were noticeably absent during testing, or you can hop into the galactic command where you can choose from three factions, the Atlas, which is basically peace through might, the Blum, think basically fifties era, kind of Elon Musk and the Nazca who, kind of sound like a hippie cult the thing is as of right now none of that matters each faction plays the same and they each have the same units to control now for me this feels like a fairly big misstep which is no surprise coming from someone who produces a podcast based on story-driven games. This feels like Insane Unity wants credit for adding story to an RTS without actually putting in the work. Now, as mentioned earlier, this game is currently in early access, so there's time for this to change. Perhaps they will add different vehicles, buildings, and boots on the ground. However, as that's not in the game, I cannot speak to it. And once you choose your faction, you head over to the planet, randomly generated and split into territories. You you know how there are Monopoly games themed around different video games, like World of Warcraft Monopoly? Well, try to imagine a StarCraft Risk game. Now, I really like this part because it allows you to really have some fun with strategies, like trying to control all of the territories around one zone to keep it safe. The problem, however, is that while the overarching strategy involves some clever gameplay and fun, especially when you factor in that the game length gets measured in days, not hours, and that you can AFK and leave the AI to take charge, the actual mechanics, the map exploration, the building of bases and armies and such, are actually quite bland. Even battles against AI, because real players are, once again, nearly impossible to come by, are either incredibly dull, as you watch your army obliterate the opponent, or frustrating as all hell as the enemy slams down on you with the force of a 100 plus tanks. There doesn't appear to be a happy medium, and it's in that happy medium where you can generate tension which translates into fun, challenging gameplay wherein you don't already know the outcome. Once again, there's potential in what we see and some originality as well, though I think calling it an MMORTS is one hell of a stretch. There are higher expectations for the MMO genre than being massive and multiplayer and online. So here's what Insane Unity states on their site for Win That War. 
It's an RTS gameplay adjusted to a persistent MMO universe. Large scale, a thousand players per planet fighting for hundreds of territories. A game in which cooperation will help you resolve embarrassing situations. And three game modes, solo, multiplayer, and online. I, I don't know what embarrassing situations... Maybe it's misspelling embarrassing that's embarrassing or territories. Seriously, people, look into that. There's no excuse. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's currently not enough in the game to warrant supporting it through early access. And in fact, as is often the case, I believe early access may taint many people's opinion of this title, making it difficult to achieve the success it deserves once it releases. But here's the thing. The last update on Insane Unity's blog regarding this title was in April. Now, you may say three months between updates isn't that big a deal, and normally I'd agree, unless the title's in early access and you're trying to work with a burgeoning community to build up a strong player base, which is crucial for a game like this. I would really like the title to succeed. I like the base story and lore elements created and would like to see a lot more of them. I like the art style, though admittedly it needs to be punched up for the maps, and I like the soundtrack. As for the gameplay, the large-scale coordinated planetary assault that lasts days is a phenomenal concept that, while tricky to perfect, is off to a decent start and will only improve as more players join the fun. That said, my suggestion is to only pick this up if you are comfortable playing early access titles and a very big fan of real-time strategy games. Otherwise, there are far more polished and in-depth real-time strategy games that you should check out first. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.